Welcome to the podcast arm of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar People's Parish, based in Regina, Canada. Our mandate is pursuing His purpose, pronouncing His power, and proclaiming His praise. You can subscribe to our podcast channel today, so you never miss an episode of our podcasts. Be blessed by this teaching. To start by emphasizing something. And that thing is the fact that Christian journey is not a legalistic one. Right? However, many of us have taken for granted the grace and the liberty that we have in Christ to the extent that what we look for a lot of times is our own convenience. You will agree with me that praying in the night is not something easy. However, there is one of the foundational support base of Christian life, and that is sacrifice. In that wise, I would like to refer us to what the Bible says. Because I remember that the last time we took this matter up, there were various questions that were springing up on that day. And because pastor didn't want to just keep us waiting and missed other things that we were doing on that day, we had to leave that matter. But tonight, let us revisit it. And I would like to implore us to open our Bibles at the book of Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. I will give us a background to what we are going to read there. It was God himself that asked some questions from Job in the time of trial of Job and at a time when Job was uh, provoked by his friends to start asking some questions, just like we also do in the times of trials and difficulties in life. Many times when times are rough and we are praying to God, we'll be asking God, I did this for you, I did that. And that was the experience of Job here. But when God was to respond to Job, let us hear some questions that God asked Job. God asked him those questions and he could not answer. And I think those questions should probe our hearts also when it comes to the issue of praying at night. Let us look at Job chapter 38. I read from verse 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It was God that was asking Job this question here. And I want us to pay attention to the last word there. God was asking him, have you taken advantage of the situation of the night to address these issues? And more especially, to address the wickedness that takes place on us and shaking it out of it in the course of you demanding some things from the night. And you will agree with me, if God was saying this, I believe very strongly that there are some things that are attached to it. Now, let us bring it to everyday life. You see, we have said this thing a lot of times, and I believe that many of us know this. 
most of the things that happened during the day, most of them had been finished in the night time. Many of the manifestations of the day, they were matters that were concluded in the night. And I want us to ask ourselves this probing question. Why would the Bible tell us that and Jesus went into the secret place to pray as it was his custom? You see, many times we look beyond and we ignore some words that are very important in the Bible. That is found in the book of Luke. Let's go there. Let us see the way the Bible puts it. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Luke 6 12. Technical. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. Now, it came to pass in those days that he went to the mountain to pray and continued all, all night in prayer. Next verse. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose the twelve. I think there is one version that I want to... Okay, let's look at chapter 22, verse 39. Luke 22, verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. If you look at the beginning of that story, it was not in the afternoon. And the Bible says, as it was his custom. And the question I would like us to ask ourselves is... If Jesus, being the master of the universe, would be praying in the night as it was his custom, there must be something about it. And finally, I would like to probably share an experience with us. Many years ago, when I was single, of course, in those days, I belonged to a Christian body where the ministry was that of prayer anyway. And everybody was trained to pray in the night on your own, pray, you know. Something happened to me. After the series of those night prayers, I was living in one house in those days where all the bachelors that were living in that compound, they were looking up to, or they were looking at one woman who was one of the wives of the late landlord, that the woman was a witch. I don't tag people, and that's the truth. When everybody says that somebody is a witch or a wizard, I don't tag people. I just live my own life. But all of us used to have problem with this woman. But the problem I had with her was that this woman said she would lock the gate of that house by 9 p.m. If you don't enter into the house by 9 p.m., she will lock you out. And she knew that for me, I would stay in the church because of my role in the church in those days. And by the time I, you know, come to the house, banging the gate, on this particular day, I got back to that house maybe sometimes around five minutes past nine or ten minutes past, and I saw this woman when she was locking the gate. As I was coming out of the taxi, I saw this woman as she was locking the gate, and she saw me. So I knew she wanted to pull trouble, right? So as she locked that gate and she was coming back, I started to bang on that gate, and I insisted that she must open that gate because what she did, was deliberate and she knew it was not that I was going like the other boys in that house going to drink and all this stuff she knew was where I was coming from eventually she opened that gate but she told me something on that night she said I know you are coming from church of course she's a larger I know you are coming from church but because you made me to come and open this gate I will show you that's what she said that night and I ignored what she said but what happened that night was just like what we read there now, as my custom, I prayed that night and I slept. Sometime around 1 a.m., 
in the midnight, I felt something on my left wrist like a scorpion that stung me on my left wrist. And right from there, that thing started to transcend from that spot. It was going up my sleeve. Right there, I knew it was not ordinary. So I started to pray. What I observed was that it got to my shoulder. And at a point while I was praying in the spirit, that thing started to go back to where it started from. Until it got to where it started from. Right there, I knew it was over. I packed my things. Because I was sleeping in the, you know, a large veranda outside of the compound. I packed my things and I went into my mini flat. But this is what happened. We woke up the next morning and this woman I'm talking about could not come out. That was how she started his sickness. I did not tell anybody about it. But the next thing that happened to it that made me to think about what happened that night is that from that spot, from that day that that woman fell sick, for the next, like, maybe one or two months, she did not come out of her room until her children came to take her away. Eventually, she died. I am not saying that the woman is a witch. But I'm calling our attention to something. Let us ask this. And I'm not saying that it is because of the power of my prayer. No. However, there is one adage that says, the witch confessed today. And... Uh, the something something died tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm trying to point out? I am not here to argue with you whether praying in the night is important or not, but I think you have taken something from that experience. May God help us. Thank you so much, sir. So a quick question. How many people have prayed at night before? You've prayed, even if not consistently, but you've prayed at night before. Can somebody, okay, ah, Amen. Lots of hand. Can somebody also tell us, thank you so much, Pastor Shola, for sharing that. Can somebody tell us, what are some of the benefits that you've seen? Of course, we know that we should pray all day, right? We should pray without season. But are there benefits you have personally experienced to praying at night? Personal experience. Something? Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One of those uh, benefits I've enjoyed praying at night is there's no distraction. Mm. Like uh, I'm done with the day's work and uh, I got up in the night to pray. My house can really be busy. But that time of the day, everybody is sleeping. Mm. And it is very quick to connect because there's no distraction. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, man. So no distraction. It makes it easy to connect in the place of prayer. Any other person? Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, another advantage of praying in the night is that um, you get um, clarity for the day. Mm. Before God will direct your path, He will tell you some things, you know, things that you don't even think about. What He wants you, how you want, He wants you to spend your day. Most of the time, we get instruction from. You get instruction. Praying. Thank you so much, Ma. Thank you. Any other person? What are some of the benefits that you've seen? Yes. Well, I'll say personally. Um, 
what I've experienced is that there's this kind of peace and assurance that comes with praying at night. It's more like you go into an exam or you studied very well mm. and you actually did very well in the exam. That's how it feels like to me most of the time. Like it's different from like connecting or praying during the day. Mm. When you pray at night, uh, there is full concentration, mm. concentration, and uh, you can go one two hours if you want to. And at the end of the day, you have just that assurance and that peace. Like okay, something is about to happen. Pass Thank on. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Yes. So there's her and then Pastor Mrs. And also there's enough time to pray. There's enough time. Mm. Thank you. Yes, ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then, uh, Brother Joseph just mentioned instruction. Mm. I, I was opening my Bible to Job chapter 33, verse 15 and uh, 16. Job, please can help us. He said, in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, mm -hmm. while slumbering on their bed, then he opens the ear of men and see their instruction. So at that, at the night, God God opened the ears. is is very quick to to get instruction on how the day is going to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have this understanding that the uh, Activities of the evil ones are very, very heightened in the night. Mm. It's like uh, two powers, you know. They are, they, they are doing their own, and you also you are doing your own. So it makes your territory very hot for them. Mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I know that personally I'm one person that um, God speaks to me via dreams. So I've noticed that if I spend time praying at night before I go to sleep, it looks like my channels are open, right? So my dreams are clearer. My dreams make more sense. The instructions are clearer when I'm able to invest that time in praying at night before going to sleep. So I feel like there's so much benefit that comes. That being said, it doesn't mean that your prayers are during the days ineffective. That's not true, right? God says we should pray all without season, right? So whether it's in the morning, it's in the afternoon, it's in the evening, your prayers are what effective, but it is important to also cultivate the habit, right? Of praying at night. It is a sacrifice, you know, and there are benefits that come with it. But regardless of the time you pray, your prayers are effective. It's just that it is important to cultivate the habit of what? Of praying at night. Praise the Lord. Now, the next question we had, um, someone sent in this question, and I would like the technical, technical please project, Jeremiah 38, would read from verse 24 to 28. Jeremiah 38, 24 to 28. And the question here says, does it mean there are instances when it is okay to lie? To tell a lie. Is there any situation where God permits you to tell a lie? So let's read the scripture. Then Zedekiah, then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. But if the princes hear that I have talked with you, and they come to you and say to you, declare to us now what you have said to the king, and also what the king said to you, do not hide it from us. 
and we will not put you to death. The next verse. Then you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he will not, that he will not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. So here is the thing, is that the, the background of the story is the king had a conversation with Jeremiah. He knew that the princess would come and ask Jeremiah what it was. And he told Jeremiah to tell them something different from what they discussed. So he told Jeremiah to tell a lie. So the person is asking, is, it, is there any condition where God permits us to tell a lie? Is there any? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh -oh. it, doesn't, it doesn't tell us to tell lies. He doesn't tell us to tell lies. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Any other person? Are there conditions where God permits us to tell a lie? Yes. Heritage, you want to answer? No? Okay. I thought I saw your hand. My apologies. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't have any answers to that question, but there is, there is one thing I know. Um, there are times in life that we are faced with circumstances and situations, and the only answer at that time is, you know what it can never be, but you don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm making sense. Not yet. Okay. Just... Dig deeper. <laughs> so, um, what I'm saying is, there are times that we get to, we get to a crossroad in our lives. Okay. You know what? It can never be. I mean, God can never tell you to lie. God can God never tell you lie. to lie. Okay. Remember when they brought um, Jesus to the presence of uh, was a pilot, and they were asking him, who, are, "Who, who do you say you are? Who are you? Are you the Son of God?" He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. Mm. So I believe there are times we get to that point. If he says yes, probably they would have just immediately right there killed him or something. Mm -hmm. And he cannot say no, he cannot lie. Mm -hmm. So I just feel there are times we get to that crossroad. And uh, you cannot, you can't, I don't know if I'm making sense. So, so when you get to the crossroad, yes. sister, what do we do? Do we so, just kind of like... How, what do we do at that crossroad? For example, yes. um, somebody told me of a story. Okay. A pastor was right there uh, on the pulpit and on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. and he was preaching in church. So somebody ran inside the church, and like we are in church, somebody ran inside and Eid maybe went to, to the basement. And the people running after that person came inside the church and asked, um, did anybody... Like, it was obvious they were going to kill him. Okay. So they asked the pastor of the church, did anybody just come inside, inside the church? Mm -hmm. Like, did anybody hide here? Mm -hmm. And the, what did he say? What the, what the pastor asked was, what did you say again? And they left. So he didn't have to say yes or no. Yeah, okay. So I just feel there are times we get to... Okay, so you're saying that there are certain situations where we're not entitled to provide an answer and we can choose to be quiet. Maybe yes. Yeah? Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I'll take yes. Go ahead, sir. And then I'll take Pastor Femi. Go ahead, sir. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The book of um, Genesis 20, uh, starting from verse 1. Okay. 
The Bible says, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south, and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now, the Bible says wisdom is profitable to direct. <laughs> there are sometimes your yes would do, would not do the kingdom a favor. And so, you need to apply wisdom. By wisdom, do you mean not saying the truth? By wisdom, I mean... In order to advance the kingdom. By, by, by that, I mean do what Abraham did. Well, and, in and that situation, alive. though, Sarah was his sister. So that wasn't a lie. Technic that wasn't a lie. Technic te technically, yeah. Sarah was the sister. Yeah. But okay. the sister that is the wife. Oh, okay. He okay. knew that if he had declared Sarah as his wife, okay. he would probably go to jail or be killed. Okay, okay. Thank you, you so much, sir. Some decisions, mm -hmm. I believe, okay. does not negate who God is. They are not saying choose between God and devil. They are not saying lose your salvation. They are asking a question. Is she your wife? She is my sister. Okay. Because technically your wife is your sister. At the point... Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take Pastor Femi and then I'll come to you. Let's take let's take Pastor Femi and then I'll come I'll come here. Thank you okay. so much for that contribution. Go ahead, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um this is what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Um we need to understand who we are and where we stand. And what I mean by that is when we read the Bible, we understand that there's the old covenant and there's the new covenant as believers who have given our lives to Jesus. There are things that we see under the old covenant that does not apply to us today. Case in point, David had many wives. Solomon had many wives and many other people, right? Um, one of the prophets took a harlot and married her. But that's under the old covenant. The Bible is very clear, and God is very clear under the new covenant. Paul writes in the epistles, says, put away lying mm. from amongst you. It was very clear. Mm. There, I don't think there's any ambiguity about that. We know where we stand. We know what covenant we are after and what we follow. And we know what God has said. And I think that one of the mark of integrity is for your yes to be yes and your no to be no, irrespective of the consequences. Okay. So the moment I feel, and I, you know, I stand to be corrected, but I feel that the moment you are trying to apply what we call wisdom, mm -hmm. um, you are beginning to look for, you know, the Bible says, um, talks about God, that by two immutable things, which, which we know it is impossible for God mm. 
to lie. And we're supposed to be imitators of our father. We can go on and on and on. I, I think that things are very clear in the new covenant where we stand about such stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Um, before I, Pastor Femi, before I take you, I'd like to take Mr. Lockie. Go ahead, sir. When you hear this kind of analysis, you begin to think of what to say. You know, when you are already boxed to... You know, let's realistically speaking, you know, there was, a, um, was it a joke or a story? A woman was running a shop, he has four children, and I'm robber walked in, just like the example you gave. He said, where are your children? The arm robber saw one, shot that one dead. And he saw where the other one was hidden, shot the other one dead. And what's he doing? Where are you? I'm here for your children. Where are the other ones? He said, they are not here. And the two children are actually hiding somewhere, and he left. So if you are in that position, what will you do? Mm. Then what did she do in that situation? Did she tell lies? Did she mislead the Amraba? Mm. You, um, you mean she should have said the two are actually hiding here and she released the two? Mm. And to cap it up, in um, Joshua, Joshua 1, 18, the Bible, yeah, the story of um, Rahab, when the spy came, <laughs> she hid them. And the king heard about them, sent people to, to her. She said, yes, they came, but I, I didn't know where they went to. Mm. And misled those people. They traced those um, spies. They couldn't find them. You know the destruction that befell the land. But at the end of it all, the harlot was magnified above every other person. She was saved, and everybody she chose to save was saved. Mm. But what happened? She told a lie. So you're saying that there are certain I'm not saying I'm just presenting <laughs> no, 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 a scenario. No, no, no. There's no there's no sitting Thank on the you. fence. So you're saying that there are certain circumstances where I God permits presented us to and I said one that <laughs> okay. happened practically. And, one and I said Bible. another one in the Bible. What is your conclusion? What is your answer to the question? <laughs> uh, Barbara, Barbara, one one second. Right here, sir. And then I'll take uh, I'll take Pastor Femian and I'll take you, sir. Praise the Lord. And that would be that for this question. Yes, sir, go ahead. Well, uh, I um number one. Um, we should not um, engage in lying as Christians. Thank you, sir. That's number one. The second part is that we also need wisdom. Even in the um, scripture that you quoted, um, I think it was a case of following instruction. It's not lying. If I tell you two things, and I say, if my brother asks you, this is what you tell him, that's not lying. I can only tell you what I'm instructed to say. So in that scripture, I don't see any element of lie there. Somebody is only following the instruction. And then when you look at, Brofemi quoted, Brofemi quoted Paul, Apostle Paul. May I say that there was even a time that Apostle Paul also lied. When he was confronted with a situation of life and death, and he was asked to choose a God, and he said, this unknown God will be my God. He didn't even know what the unknown God was all about. But he had to use wisdom in that kind of situation. So that sometimes you need wisdom. But the, that is not to encourage us to be telling lies. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Now, because of... Okay, sorry. Go ahead, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We need to be... And then I'm going to wrap up. Very careful when we are quoting the scriptures. So that we don't just quote scriptures to justify our the intent or the thoughts or our perceptions. 
The scripture is very clear. Let's read Revelations chapter, chapter 21, verse 8. Revelations 21, 8. Technical, if you can help us. But the cowardly, but unbelieving, the fearful, and unbelieving, and abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all shall have their part where? The, the scripture is not ambiguous. The scripture is not saying this is the condition you can lie. When you look at Numbers chapter 21, verse 19, it says, God cannot, God is not a man that he will lie, neither the son of man that he will repent. So my conclusion is this. Let's be careful the way we are quoting the scriptures. The scripture is very explicit. If you lie, you are a sinner, and the end of a sinner is where? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And finally, I'll take Pastor DG, please. Um, my own submission on this is that God cannot be boxed into a corner. God is not man. God is God. Okay? And when we define lying, or we talked about people lying, we are talking about people who are, um, say, habitual liar. Say someone that has made up his mind that he's going to tell a lie. It doesn't matter what you are going to ask that person, he's going to lie anyway. That is his nature. That is his belief. You know? But when we talk about God, God promised us that he's not going to put us in a situation that will be beyond our faith. He will not allow us to be tested beyond that which we can bear. That's what God told us. And when God asked us to apply wisdom, He's just saying you must learn to listen to whatever instructions he gave you at that point in time. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, the Bible promised us that God said that in any, every situation, if you are truly his child, say you will hear his voice, he will tell you which way to go. Now, why am I saying this? See, when I say God cannot be boxed into a corner, we saw um, Apostle Peter, who was brought up strictly in the Judaic way, right? And when God wanted to change his own instruction to them, he brought a vision and told him, eat. He said, ah, I've never eaten anything that is, I mean, that is, uh, on, on, I mean, impure. I've never tasted my mouth. You know, what I'm saying in essence is that at every situation, let us be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord and let the spirit of God guide us in all situations. Now, that is to say that God is very clear. We are not to be liars. We are not so, supposed to be pathological or chronic liars that everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie. Okay? But in every situation, trust God to make a way out for you in every situation. And he will guide you right at that moment what you need to do. And he will not crucify you if he is the one asking you to say that thing, to save your soul. If he doesn't want you to, there are some situations you will not, you will be silent because he wants you to say the truth. And there are some situations he will tell you what to say that will, that will sort that situation out at that moment, you know? But what I'm saying is that don't go with the intention that, oh, I'm going to lie myself out of this situation. I'm going to make a way to just say, this is not true when I know it's the truth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the contributions. Um, when we were studying about building capacity and spiritual maturity and all of that, whose image were we to conform to? 
Jesus. Was there any way captured in scripture where Jesus told the lie? Was there any way captured in scripture? No. So we can see that man is man and man will be flawed. And that's why we're not called to follow a man. We don't conform to the image of a man because man is what? A man. We're called to follow Christ. We're called to conform to the image of what? Christ. And so the answer is there is no circumstance under which we should tell what? A lie. And just as we have heard that God will give us the wisdom on how to respond correctly in every given what situation. And that does not include what telling a lie. Hallelujah. So I guess that answers our question. Um, do we have any questions in the house before I go to the next one? Do we have any questions in the house? Anybody has a question? Okay, no. I didn't see any hands. Um, the next question is on building capacity. And this person's question is, um, we were taught that not everything in the kingdom is a gift. So the person says that when is, some, when is it a gift? When is a result a gift and when is it a reward? In terms of the kingdom, when, 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 is, it, when, when is something a gift and when is something a reward? What's the difference between both? Do we understand the question? Yeah? I should repeat the question again. So when we were learning, studying about building capacity, pastor told us that not everything in the kingdom is a gift. So how do you differentiate? What are the things that come as a reward? And what are things that are gifts? Yes, ma'am. Um, praise God. Um, what is coming to my mind is that it's, it's the person that is giving it that determines what it is. Hmm. So in other words, if I come to you, I make my hair, and you tell me that the hair is $100. Hmm. If, I give you if I give you $200 and I say it's for my hair, mm -hmm. then you know that that's maybe a reward. And I say this is what I want to pay you for my hair is mm -hmm. $200. Well, I can decide that, you know, when I'm giving you the $200, but it's actually a gift, but I will pay for my hair later. Do you get what I mean? So, like, oh, I'm giving you this $200. It's not actually for the hair. This is a gift for you. Mm -hmm. But for what you've done for my hair, for the labor, mm -hmm. I will come and pay later mm -hmm. for it. I'll give you that $100. So I feel whoever is giving it, so in, in this case, God, God, I'll tell you, okay, what you, for what you have done, mm -hmm. I give you this. Or, my son, this is something I've just given you from myself, you know, as a blessing to you. So I feel God determines when it's a reward mm -hmm. and when it is a gift. A gift. Amen. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. I'll take you and I'll take you. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. To my own understanding, even from being a gift and being a reward, gift is something you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. You don't have to work for it. Mm -hmm. But reward is something you do to earn. It's just like when the Bible says that um, follow, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All other things will be added to you. That is a reward of seeking first the mm. kingdom of God and righteousness. Mm. And just like me and someone was just discussing, the death of Jesus Christ 
is a gift to us mm. to save us from the sinful world. Not because we deserve it, mm. but God has mercy and shows mercies upon us. And the different circumstances that we can also see in the Bible. So, in a nutshell, reward is something you work and you hand, but gift is something that you don't deserve and they give to you. Maybe as because of the mercy of God, the grace of God, the favor of God upon our life. Thank you so much, Ma. Thank you for that. Yes, ma'am. So the two uh, examples that uh, comes to my thought is the first one. The Bible uh, makes us to understand that um, just talking about uh, salvation, that uh, it is the grace of God that no man should boast, that um, it is a gift from God. So the other one that comes to mind is the Shunammite woman. Mm -hmm. We can see the way he attended to the man of God, and I think she was rewarded. So salvation is a gift. We did not do anything to earn it. So that is just a gift from God. But the Shunammite woman, it was a reward. It was a reward. Thank you. So with a reward, there's something you're doing to get that. With a gift, there's nothing you're doing. The giver determines and just gives out of their what their free will. Thank you so much for all of those answers. The next question says, now this is in relation to emotional intelligence. And we did learn that it's important to manage our emotions because it helps with stress. The question here says, how do we manage stress and the resultant diseases, especially unmanaged high blood pressure from the point of emotional intelligence? How do you manage stress? How do you manage stress? Has anybody here, if you've been stressed in your life ever, just weave. Ah, everybody has been stressed before. Okay, praise the Lord. So everybody has an answer. How, personally speaking, how do you manage a stressful situation? Yes, Brother Joseph. I think it's actually relative in the sense that the way how we manage my stress mm -hmm. will be different from the way any other person would do there. If I'm stressed, I just need to take a break. Stop. Listen to music, go for a drive, go for a walk. Most of the time, I go for a walk. Mm. Well, if it's about work, I just stop it. Maybe for a day or two, I can focus on something else. I remember there was a time I was implementing a project at, at work. Uh, it was a five, I think, a team's project, but I took it on. And I, at some point, I almost broke down. It was so overwhelming, like literally overwhelming. What I did was I just stopped the project for like three days and I focused on some other little things that I could do at work. And I discovered that um, by the time I returned to the project, I was, you know, I was up and going. So that is the way I deal with my stress. I don't literally have to go on vacation or maybe take a whole week off or do something extraordinary. However, we have individuals whereby if they are literally stressed, it's like, they've broken down. So, so they would need a lot of, um, a lot of things to get them recharged, maybe go somewhere out of province or something. But personally, I just need to take a break from whatever I'm dealing with, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be fine. And that's why I said it's relative. It's relative. Thank you so much. Any other thoughts? Yes, ma'am. 
Don't worry, I'll let the adults answer. You haven't, stress hasn't come yet. <laughs> it's coming. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, first and foremost, um, we all need to know that um, stress is a normal phenomenon in our life. It could be a, a response to something going on physically, emotionally, or anything like that. So to manage stress, the first thing you have to be able to do is to identify and know that you are stressed. Okay? And when people have stress, they come with various symptoms, physical symptoms. You mentioned raised blood pressure and everything. It can affect your sleep, the way you eat emotionally. You're not happy. You are irritable. You are lashing other people. And even cognitively, you have poor concentration. What will take you like five minutes is taking you like ever. Um, the way you process things is slower and things like that. When you start noticing what is, when you are deviating from normal, unfortunately, a lot of people, the way we live our life, we don't know what is even normal for us. So we are just accumulating stress, accumulating stress until we get to that breaking point, the elastic limit and everything is bam. But when you start noticing all these signs in you, you're not enjoying what you are doing. People are not enjoying you. Your kids are not enjoying you. You're having more um, conflict at home between you and your husband so or your spouses or anything like that. That's an indication that something is wrong. And it's about going back to the drawing board and ask, what is happening? Is it my work? Am I handling too much? Like my brother says, it's not everybody that can have the luxury of paying for a vacation and going away. Even taking time from work, if you have to, is important. Because if you continue like that, you can make a mistake at your place of work that can even put another person's life at risk. Driving, you can cause a bit of, taking time, recharge your battery, meditate, go like into a form of retreat. And what some people don't do is to ask for help when they are stressed. You understand? There's a whole lot of things that can be done when it comes to being stressed. And you will see, even if you are stressed spiritually, if you are someone that you can stay in the presence of God for like 30 minutes, you find out that you won't be able to do that because a lot of things is overwhelming you. A lot of things is taking the place of God in your life. So when you start noticing all those bit by bit things, it's better to handle it, address it before it gets at all and thank you. thank you so much thank you so much okay my dear I'll, before i come to you i'll take you i know kids can be stressed i was kidding okay go ahead tell me how do you manage stress like if you like you're angry at somebody and you don't want to take it off on somebody else mm -hmm. you could go to a corner and breathe in and out thank until you. you're calm thank you so much just take a breath breathe in and out Yes, I'll take you and then we'll wrap up on that question. Yeah. Go ahead, ma'am. So from, from, from your question, it was talking about um, emotional stress, if I understand. Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Yes, yes. So I think things people have been saying since money is more of the physical stress. I don't know. Uh, the person is talking about emo emotional intelligence, right? So when we talked about emotional intelligence, right, part of that conversation includes... The physical? Yes, yes. Because whatever stresses you physically can affect you emotionally, right? Huh? It's bound to affect you, right? So it, it kind of affects you all across. So how do you deal with that? Even if it's emotional stress, how do you deal with it? You're asking me? Yeah. 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 How okay. do you manage stress? Emotional stress. Whichever one, yes. How do you manage it? Uh, 
Well, um, once I'm emo if I'm emotionally stressed or mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm facing any stress of any kind, mm -hmm. I just detach immediately. Like I don't, I detach immediately. You do what? Detach. I detach. Oh, okay, you I don't, detach. I, I don't, I don't. Okay. First of all, I just. So how do you detach? You just take time off of whatever I go is off, causing it. off. Everything. I'm off. Oh. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'll take you. I'll take you. Um. Thank you. Um. We we need to actually. Everybody needs to know what works for you, really, Imoha. Uh. There are different kinds of stress. Mm. There's emotional stress, financial stress. Stress is indifferent. Yes. Yes. So stress is not, is not straight jacketed. Yeah. Um, I also, I'm also of the school that the fact that you are stressed doesn't make you have high blood pressure. 70, 80% of the time, those that suffer from high blood pressure uh, is hereditary. I think high blood pressure is a medical condition. Uh, it, some for, for some people, it's triggered by stress. Mm -hmm. For some, they just have it. No matter how relaxed you are, you just have it. You have to be on medication and all that. For somebody like me, I've had to go through all kinds of stress. Uh, job stress, I've had to work 16 hours in one day before. You can see what that is. So, um, beyond the fact that we need to recharge our body with sleep because I believe your body is like sleep is the charger to recharge your battery to the full. If you don't sleep, you break down and somebody can die. Um, you also need to seek medical condition when you begin to notice that your blood pressure is starting to respond to the stress you go through. Mm -hmm. So altogether, we need to find out ways that work for sleep Walk off the project, come back to it, seek advice, talk, relax, do sports. Um, you know, there are several ways to just keep off the stress. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Actually, um, life itself is stressful. I mean, we'll be deceiving ourselves if you say, there's no one that has not gone through one stressful condition or the other in your short time that you are spending on this side of eternity. But I always look at it from the spiritual angle. I mean, as a believer, we've got this great privilege to know and to understand the secret to deal with stress. And the secret is our faith. You know, the truth is that whenever we are stressed, is if you look deeply and inward, you find that it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of the fact that you don't believe that God is actually in absolute control. And you feel that you're actually in control of your life and that you have to sort it out by yourself. And when you're trying to I mean, juggle the ball and try not to drop one, then the stress level goes up. In um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says that casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know, and it says also that we should look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How did Jesus deal with stress? Jesus was in the boat. Jesus prayed all night. We, we had that scripture read to us earlier tonight. And he told his disciples, let's go to the other side. He believed that his father is in control. And then, right on that journey, the storm came. And the boat, was, we were told, was almost capsizing. 
and the master was still sleeping. Who sleeps in a, in a storm? The one that believed that his life is not in his hand, but in, his, in the hand of the Father. The one who, make, who created the heavens and the earth. You know? I'll give you an example. I, I shared it today in the prayer meeting. I found that most of the time I wake up very early in the morning to do my meditation. And I try to, it's deliberate actually. Because I, I found that it works for me. But over time, I found that I'm getting tired in the day. So, the day before yesterday, before I go to sleep, when I was praying, I just told God, I said, Father, as I'm going to sleep now, I'm tired. Yes, I want to do my meditation, but I'm tired. This time around, I want to sleep at least this long so that tonight I will recharge my battery. As simple as that prayer was, I shared it because I want to know that God is interested in every aspect of our lives. I did not wake up today until the time I actually told God I want to wake up. Yes, and it was enough time for me. I planned it that I'll still be able to do my meditation and do whatever I need to do to kickstart my day. What I've learned is that in all things, he said we should cast our burden upon him. He told us that no man by worrying can add a cubit to his lifespan. So, if you look at it, no, just be, be realistic and reason it out. When you worry, when you are stressed up, does it take away the issue? Does that multiply the money in the bank? No, it doesn't. But if you trust God and you commit all things into his hand, and you believe that no matter what, it doesn't matter how the pendulum dangles, you are still going to end up standing on your feet. Then you are sure at the end of the day, because of your faith, it will be it unto you. But if you worry and you cast out your faith and say, look, I have to do it, I have to handle it, I have to sort it out, and want to apply all the earthly wisdom, go on vacation, oh, go to sleep. Some people that are not believers, they, sleep, they drink it off, but they wake up back to the same stress. Right? So why worry? It doesn't matter. Your life is no more yours. By the time you gave it to Jesus, you believe that your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. Mm-hmm. So whatever is supposed to touch you, you should touch him first. So at that point in time, when you are stressed off, know that you are not alone. He is right there in the boat, and he will handle it. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Thank you. We have a comment here very quickly, please. I'll take you both very quickly. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution. Um, I know that stress is a very natural thing that happens to everyone, and I like all the contributions, but mm-hmm. I wanted to say that personally, because we're talking about from experience, mm-hmm. um, is to look over time and find out what are the things that trigger these emotions and mm-hmm. these stresses, and intentionally plan around, especially if it's common things, mm-hmm. maybe like a job, um, I'm more stressed when I, ha- I don't sleep well, you know, and for me personally, what I've found that has helped is to intentionally practice the Sabbath. Um, when God says six days a week you should work, and on the seventh, um, you know, let dedicate it to the Lord, I found that intentionally taking time frequently um, helps to reduce the amount of stress I go through, whether it's emotional stress, family stress, money stress. Um, it helps me to um, intentionally disconnect from those things, whether mm-hmm. it's work-related. Um, so, for example, if I'm finding out that I'm having more outbursts at, at work, why? 
did I not get a good sleep at night? Why am I acting this way? Why am I getting more angry? You know, um, if it's finances or whatever, intentionally planning, you know, so that those extra burdens are not, you know, things that are happening at once. But of course, we can't plan for every type of stress, but it's just things that we know can potentially happen. So for example, a family knows that a baby is coming. Some planning can help, but obviously you can't plan for everything. And like our brother said, we can trust God with the things that are beyond us and intentionally seek help, especially if it's health has, is now leading to breaking down yeah. high blood pressure, mm. health challenges. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, um, okay, Pastor Femi, I'll, I'll let you wrap up on this question. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We've had a very good contribution. Uh, I, I just wanted to round up this way. Um, we need to identify some of those stressors. Because if you don't identify them, you are going to be running into the same issues. And stress is not religious. Stress happens to both believers and unbelievers. Everyone will experience stress. I want us to be mindful of our health. We have seen cases of pastors collapsing on the altar. It's not because they don't have faith. In fact, there are so many on YouTube, and I also know someone who was very close to me, a pastor, who passed away without knowing that he had high blood pressure. It wasn't due to lack of faith. We need to separate stress, which can be as a result of some of these emotions from some other stuff. So, my advice, the way I'm going to round up is this. If you notice that your body is giving you certain signs, please seek help. Seek help. Whether your help will be spiritual, whether your help will be medical, make sure you seek help. We don't want anybody to die as a result of something that has a solution. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. So quickly, we have just a few minutes left, and I'll take a few more questions. This question here says, what does it matter if Christians go to church? Can't I just be a Christian and be at home? So everybody is in church, so why, why are you here? Can you be a Christian and just be at home? Yes, Mar. One second, we'll get to the mic. Oh, the, according to the scriptures, we're told not to forsake the gathering okay. for the believers. So we have to to obey the command. The so we're commanded. instruction we are commanded okay. Okay. according to the scriptures. Okay. Thank you so much, Ma. So it's a command. Yes, ma'am. One second. We'll grab your mic. Um, I, from example, from personal experience, like during okay. the COVID, whatever that we were asked to stay at home, and we're doing the virtual thing, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, mm. there's no way we'll be home and, and we'll be able to pay full attention. Because it's like for me, I'll say, okay, let's put on tune to um, the church okay. YouTube channel. Okay. And that's when I'll say, oh, I'm sitting down. Let me quickly fold the laundry. Oh, oh let me start cooking. 
There's no way at that point in time you're going to get anything, except we just want to deceive ourselves. Mm. There will be distractions. Mm. But in church, it's easier for us to control our distractions, mm. where if you, you're trying to do something, you say, oh, people might see what I'm doing, so let me just pay attention. While at home, it's your house. You can decide to sit down, listen. You can, I can be cooking, and the TV is on. Yeah. It's only when I catch something that I'll just go, oh, what were they saying and all of that. Mm. So I feel it's better to be in church okay. if you want to get the maximum you can get. That Thank you. Mind. Thank you so much, Ma. Yes. I'll count to you. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I just want to say something. In the days of Jesus Christ, they were not sitting down on YouTube watching. They were always gathering. They would go to the mountain. They would gather by the riverside. They were always gathering. You would, if they you didn't have about, YouTube, though. They, they, you know. I'm very sure if they even had YouTube, they yeah. wouldn't have, like, Jesus wouldn't have been doing, he wouldn't Online. have said 5,000 minutes, you know. On the YouTube. Things wouldn't have been able to, uh, <laughs> Jesus was not doing YouTube, so we should always come to church. And, uh, so we should follow Jesus' example follow, yeah, and go in person. Of, of Christ. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Ma. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. One minute each. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Thank you for your contribution. But really, uh, brothers and sisters, I, I want to disagree with my sister. Um, yes. Um, I, the period, the COVID period, Based on a few researches that I did, it was an opportunity for the church to grow. Now, the Bible commanded us not to forsake the gathering of the saints. Mm -hmm. So you, you, there is no way you can call yourself a Christian without going to church together with the saints. However, um, the TV is a great avenue for the church to grow. And uh, the COVID period was a time that a lot of churches that had the foresight they were able to grow. Mm -hmm. It was the COVID period allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ to come into the, the people's sitting room. For example, me and my family, once the church, and we all sit down in the sitting room. Everything suspended. That one other thing is we were listening. And we did it for a very long time before the churches were opened again. Mm -hmm. We stopped all distractions. Mm -hmm. We decided to dedicate our time mm -hmm. like we were in church. Sometimes we wake up and dress and we just sit down in the TV mm -hmm. like we were going to church. Mm -hmm. And we did it consistently till the COVID period and till we were back in church. Okay. However, we should look at the TV, the internet, uh, social media as an avenue mm -hmm. for the growth of the church. It is a huge advantage okay. for the church. Okay. Thank you so much. So it's a huge advantage for this church. Yes, I'll come to you, ma'am. I'll take you and then I'll take you. Um, I think if you attend at home, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Okay. You're still a Christian for sure. But we have to think about when God gives an instruction is for our benefit. Mm -hmm. um, coming to church is, the, is part of how you can be a part of a community of people who love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Coming to church can help keep you accountable. Yeah. You can build a community. You can build relationships um, by you know, meeting other people, seeing even needs that you can meet, connecting with other humans. Um, staying alone at home makes you not accountable, one. Two, 
you become an easy target for the devil mm -hmm. to easily and quickly eliminate. Mm -hmm. When you're discouraged, nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. Nobody's there to encourage you. Nobody fires you up, you know. Nobody calls, you know, how are you doing? What's going on with you? And you can't do that for others. Mm -hmm. So coming to church is a way to be disciplined, grow, and, you know, be who God wants you to be. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right, thanks. Um, what I'll just say is that um, you staying at home doesn't make you less of a Christian because now there are church without walls, church without borders. Mm -hmm. As we're speaking now, you know, someone could be in China and be watching us and be fellowshipping with us. Mm -hmm. So it does, um, let me say that, um, we have come of age is still the same God that, you know, made the technology possible for us. Let me put it that way. Okay. So um, it doesn't mean that you can't fellowship, you understand, with one another, okay. irrespective of where you are. But can you be a Christian just by staying at home and just doing online church? Definitely. What, okay, let's even ask the question, mm -hmm. what makes you a Christian? So you are a believer in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just go to church online. Would it impact your life as a believer? Would it impact your Christian experience? So that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What makes you a Christian? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Believing that Jesus came, he mm -hmm. died for you, he resurrected, mm -hmm. and, he, and he saved you. Yeah. That's what makes you a Christian foremost. Yeah. Yes. Before you now talk about, okay, let's go to church. Okay. Right? Yes. So in the days of Jesus... Mm -hmm. There was no internet, there was no technology yeah. to do that. It mm -hmm. did the best it could do, mm -hmm. right? But now, we have all that. Mm -hmm. By the time you listen to people, preachers, you fellowship with people, How do you irrespective of wherever you are. How do you fellowship you online? Is my okay. Yes. On Sunday, if mm -hmm. I don't come to church, or let me say I travel, yeah. I'm not in Regina or Canada, mm -hmm. I can still fellowship with you. Am I correct? You can watch can, can the I, service. Can I still fellowship with you, you can if I'm not in Regina? You can watch the service. What does that mean? You're speaking English. No, you what can watch me watch? online. What is fellowship? fellowship is that I, we, we have, um, there's a back and forth. It's not one way. So if you're online, I can be speaking and you're receiving, but I don't get anything from you. I'm not getting a smile. I'm not getting a hug. I'm not getting any... Any response? So Even in service, yeah. do I speak back when pastor is speaking? But there's I don't. Body, but there's body language. That's, I don't. That's, that's response, See, right? You're just okay. assuming that there is body language. Wherever okay. I am, there can still be body language. But I can't get it. You Aim. don't have to get, get it. it. That okay. is it. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come. Let me take someone who hasn't spoken. I'll take you, Ma. And then I'm going to wrap up. I'll, I'll let you know what I think. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. I just want us to identify the difference between um, fellowshipping once in a while, while I, when I can make church, and belonging to the body of Christ. Yes. That is very important. Mm. So, did we get what she said? So there is a difference, right? And I understand your point of if you're not in church, you can connect online, you can enjoy that. That's true, right? But what we're talking about is that you don't belong to a church. You don't belong to any physical gathering like this. All you have is online, right? Now, in that situation, there's a reason 
like Miracle was saying, there's a reason why God commands, right, that we should fellowship in person. Because you cannot grow by yourself. That's just the truth. You cannot grow what? By yourself. We know that there is power in association, right? We know that fire is contagious. There's, there are times where you come in and you're down, and the fire of the people around you ignites you. We know that we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. So when I come around like-minded people, I am sharpened. The Bible says what? Iron sharpened what? Iron. So when I come in, I see people that think like me. I see people that are going in the same direction, and I'm encouraged. Like she said, there are moments where you will be discouraged also. Somebody will notice. When we talk about spiritual growth, we know that one of the way God, we, we talk about, um, remember, refining of silver? That God brings us challenges? Well, you're at home. Who brings you the challenges? There are times where it is in church that we sharpen one another. Now, it is true that God has given us the advantage of YouTube and all of that, but that should be an addition to what we have. But it should not be the sole thing. Would you be a believer? Yes, you'll be a believer. Would you grow? The, the tendency for you to grow alone is very small. The tendency for you to lose your faith when you're by yourself is very high. It's very, very high. So truly, and God doesn't just save us so we go to heaven. That's not just the goal. We are saved because there's an assignment he wants us to accomplish on earth. If you don't build the capacity, you can't do it. And you don't build that capacity by yourself. It's not possible. When you, we, we talked about hunger and all of those things that help us in spiritual growth. You come in here, you see people hungry for God. It, it has a way of igniting your own fire. But you can't just... And then there's something about atmosphere. There's something about atmosphere. You come into a place, you, don't, you, can, you can't tell what's going on, but you know there's something in it. It just changes. So there is so much benefit to being in person. Online should be a supplement. It should be an addition to what we have. It is good, but that should not just be. If all you want to do is be saved and go to heaven, then, you know, that's fine. But if you want to grow, if you want to fulfill purpose on earth, then it is important that we fellowship in person. I'm going to take you, sir, and then I'll let Pastor Maker come take over. Thank you. Uh, please, can you help us read that question again? So the question is, why does it matter if Christians go to church? Can you just be a Christian and be at home? Can you be a Christian and be at home? Can we answer in a chorus? Please. Is it a yes or a no? So that speaks to... When we are now trying to talk about your spiritual growth, mm -hmm. you're developing your capacity, mm -hmm. is answering another question. So you're answering two questions. But if I live in Iraq or in Iran, when there are no churches, can I be a Christian? How? So what we are saying is, mm -hmm. it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for some of these things. So when some people ask these questions, we don't even know who these people are. Mm. We don't know what they're doing. You might for your, somebody might just be feeling guilty that, okay, I'm in Iran. I can't attend church. I can't be part of a community. And he's feeling guilty. And he's answering the same questions. And we are going in this direction of you are limited, you are stunted, you are 
So it, it has to be balanced sometimes. Okay. So, now so thank we you need to understand okay. those things. So that's why I wanted us to answer the question. person that, okay, you are a Christian. Yes, mm -hmm. we agree you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. But if you can, yes. look for a community of people to help you grow. Now, if there is the opportunity and you don't take it, then you are in disobedience because it is an what? An instruction. Do we get? Right? And who is a Christian? A Christian is somebody... The fact that you said Jesus is your Lord, if you don't live by what he says, you're not a believer. Do you understand? So yes, I can say Jesus is my Lord. If I have the opportunity to go to church and I choose not to, then that puts my Christianity in check, in question, right? But if there is no opportunity and you're in Iraq, you're in China, of course God knows your situation. Of course he's going to even commend you if you can even find a way to connect to a church online. But that if we have the opportunity, we should not be at home. Amen. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. Thank you, man. Let's put our hands together for ourselves. On Sunday is Thanksgiving. Don't do it online. Please. On Sunday is what? Thanksgiving. Don't do it online. And um, I just want to admonish us and advise us that whenever we have the opportunity to be in church, please take advantage of it. The reason is that <laughs> I'm not saying this is not my own word, but it's in the scripture. A time will come when we maybe our generation or another generation, will be looking for an opportunity to come together to fellowship. They will be looking for that. It's happening already in China. But if you have the opportunity to do that, please let's do that. And I just want to add this before we pray. Please. It depends on how far you want to go in life. I'm not preaching. But just for us to have this at the back of our mind. For a guy that is driving... You don't need anybody to tell you how to drive. You just drive anyhow. But for you to fly a plane, you follow instruction. The, the pilot cannot say, I don't like it. I don't know. Anything he does like that, without instruction, that plane will crash. Scripture is based on instruction. If God gives us instruction and he tells you something, please follow it. If you don't want that plane to crash, praise the Lord. Let's rise on our feet. And ask God for grace. This journey is not easy. This journey is not easy. We shouldn't be found among those that lie. If our yes is yes, it stays that way. Let's ask God for grace to fulfill his instruction, his mandate, his dictates. Please, if you have not been praying in the night, please do. You know why? Even those that are planning evil are praying to God in the night against that person. Not you. So please... Engage yourself in that attitude of praying at night. I want us to open our mouth and ask God for grace. Not to fail him, not to disappoint him. To live a solid and a balanced life that will please him in secret and in open. Grace to live a balanced life that will please him. That will make him happy. That will prove to him that his investment in us is not a waste. Father, grace, O oh Lord, to please you, we ask. Grace to please you, to live a life that is worthy of emulation. A life that will bring joy, honor, and adoration unto you. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Please, once again, Sunday is our Thanksgiving. Don't do it online. Please, let's do it in person. Let's share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely. We hope you were blessed by that teaching. For further inquiries, please visit our website, www.rccgppp.org. You can also check us on Facebook and on YouTube at rccgpppsk, on Instagram and Twitter at rccgppp. If you are within the city of Regina, Canada, you can join us in person at 1771 Bond Street, S4N, 1X7 for a refreshing time in God's presence.